Are you ready to take the lead in the dance of life? Fall in love with who you are right now and find uninhibited joy every day? Then it's time for you to flaunt your smart, sexy, and spiritual self. Join radio host Laura Cheadle and learn how the five steps of flaunt can help you quit seeking approval, proving your worth, and release you from the judgment of others. Express all that you are, discover your naked self-worth, and finally, enjoy the life you've worked so hard to create. Hello, welcome to Flaunt, Build Your Dreams and Live Your Sparkle. I'm Laura Cheadle and oh my gosh, after this crazy 2020, let's really work on living our sparkle in 2021. Now, we cannot guarantee what's going to happen. We have no idea if a whole other virus is going to come in or what's going to happen. But you know what? We can control our actions. We can control our inner dialogue. We can control the relationship we have with the different parts of ourself, and we can absolutely control how we feel. Whew, that's a lot, isn't it? <laughs> Today's guest is an incredible author, and I am really excited to bring you her, to share her work with you, because her book is called The Final Eighth. And if you're thinking, huh, final eighth and 2021, and what is it? Nutshell, and she'll explain it all as we're coming up. But the nutshell is we get like seven eighths of the way there and we don't complete that final step. And I don't care if it's business, if it's painting your house, if it's, you know, personal development, if it's working out, oh my gosh, how many times have you not lost the last five pounds? How many times have you organized your closet and then left one drawer undone? Oh my gosh. Yeah, me too. So with that, let me bring you Bridget Dangel Gaspart, author of The Final Eighth, and we're going to talk this out and we are going to get you up and running for 2021 and beyond. So welcome to the show, Bridget. Oh, thanks. I'm happy to be here. Go 2021. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. But no matter what happens, we are in control of our mindset, of Absolutely. our inner work. Yeah. So talk a little bit more about this final eighth concept because, wow, isn't that true? Yeah. So the final eighth is literally failing inside of victory. You've done all of these steps. You're hardworking, talented, creative, disciplined. And it's also a mystery. It's like, wait, I've gotten this far. Why am I suddenly stalled? And it feels terrible. And just like you said, you know, you're, you're, you're like taking singing lessons. The choir invites you to join them and you don't go and you feel terrible. That's the thing about the final eight. These are for people where it doesn't make sense. And everyone around them knows it's true. They're not in denial. They are working hard. And they're like, what's going on? And so, of course, I struggled this with this myself, which made me quite sensitive to this phenomenon. And then I began to see it in my clients. But I 
also wasn't sure. I didn't understand for myself. And so I've been with my clients for a while. Again, I knew they were telling the truth and they wanted this goal with every fiber of their being. And then I realized, oh, ho, 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 they only think they want the goal with every fiber of their being. They actually have some parts that are against the goal and those parts have wisdom and they are accurate and correct. And that was a huge aha. And then the term, the final eighth came out whole. It feels like it just came out of my belly. And then I explained it to my clients one at a time and instantly they got it. And, and then they come in like, the, I, I have having a final eighth issue. I, I didn't make those calls I said I would. I lost the phone number to the editor that's literally waiting for my scripts and likes them and wants them and has a publication plan for them. So it's when the universe is saying yes, that I began to realize this is a treacherous terrain and it's actually a success issue. And we don't give success issues enough respect. You know, often your friends and family and, and even sometimes coaches will kind of pull out the violin and say, oh, you having success issues? But the truth is success is scary. No one likes to talk about this, that this is actually true. So that's why I really got into it, figured it out for myself, and then wrote the book because it's not talked about this underground truth about success. So true. So right on. It's like success. Everybody wants it, but everybody's afraid to be successful. And it's yes. really weird. It's, it's for very good reason. Yeah. Right? And so... And Okay. No, no. Yeah. You know, you said something that I really want to um, hone in on. Okay. Everybody wants success. Everybody's excited about it. When it's right there, you said there's pieces of ourselves that have wisdom that will slow us down. And that's kind of what I want to circle, you know, circle around and then delve into. Wow. There's wisdom around not succeeding. Ooh, let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I use this methodology called voice dialogue, which is the, developed by my mentors, Hal and Sidra Stone. And I'm so blessed to have stumbled upon this technique years ago and studied with them. And now I'm a master trainer in voice dialogue. But the premise is our healthy personality consists of many selves. And research continues to show, like in the brain imaging world, that this is just true. So the idea is that all of our parts of wisdom, they all are there for the noble purpose of protection, but some of them have misguided information, intel that's too ancient and is not true anymore. And some of them are legitimately accurate. I talk about this one client we worked on. She was an actress and she was really moving up and getting high, part, better parts in and getting into the union and then moving up within the union. And, and suddenly she was doing what we call self-sabotage. But self-sabotage is just ways that you stall succeeding and it could be done by any parts of yourself. I might say selves sabotage. <laughs> but sabotage is just the word that's put on the negative label because underneath the sabotage, that what you can do in my book, Guides Reader Step-by-Step, Step, is talk to that part. So we went to her resistant part, and though our parts love to be listened to, often you don't even have to ask them questions. They're like, thank God. So resistant self, we, I was expecting kind of just this uh, like 
toad or troll at the bottom of the bridge. And all of our cells, as you know, are in our bodies and they have physiology and they have beats and energies. And so the more we can know what the feel of our different selves are internally, also the more we're aware of them and when they pop up. So this wisdom self, I'm sorry, this resistant self came in and leaned in like this, like giving me a secret and said, if my client continues along this path, she's going to be an alcoholic. Ooh. I was stunned because I'd worked with her for a long time. Drinking had never come up. And so the resistant self went on because I'm never going to ask the resistant self to not be a resistant self. I'm going to say, tell me more. And what is the best resistance you ever did? Then we all, we move back to center so that the idea is that from the center, we can embrace our different selves. And my client just wept because that resistance self was correct. And her business was all about socializing, both, you know, when she's an actress, but also with, in terms of the parties to get, meet people, producers. Yes. So what we ended up doing was focusing on how to learn to say no not say no when you really mean, or not say yes when you mean no. And so our whole focus changed and we cultivated parts that said, thank you so much for the invite, but you know, I'll meet you for coffee, not drinks, all kinds of strategies. And then of course, what happened was the double bind that she was in between the parts of her that wanted the success and the parts that didn't melted because the problem, the wisdom was being addressed. That's so Brilliant. And that makes absolutely perfect sense. I mean, I, I'm sure listeners out there can think of so many times like that where there's this underlying fear, but they're not listening to it. Yes. Yeah. And some of them say, oh, I just have this generalized anxiety. But I also like to say these parts, they raise their volume. So your yeah. generalized anxiety, say the one that's nervous about success, moves up into kind of panic mode or those kind of things, or even just the pain of being stuck. It's to get your attention. And once you listen and are curious, often they're just like, thank you. I can step aside now. Yes. Yes. And it doesn't mean that you, one of the phrases that I hear so often that just drives me crazy is it wasn't meant to be. Because I have people come to coach with me and they're like, oh, it, it just wasn't meant to be, you know, whether it's a relationship or a job or a book contract. And it's always like, that is a part of you that is stopping it. Just keep working. It, of course, it's meant to be. You are meant to push through this. And I appreciate so much hearing the wisdom of that, not just barreling through it, bull in the china shop and being like, yes, we can. Yes, we can. But listen to what is that fear? What is that fear? Being an alcoholic is a, is a, is a burden. <laughs> if you've got a history yes. of that, I understand going to all of the functions. I get that. There are so many different fears that are real and legitimate. And I love how you're saying, tell me more. Yes. So for that part that says like, oh, it wasn't meant to be, we would go to that part and find out its gifts and what it was worried about. And my guess is one of the functions of a it was meant to be part is to protect you from disappointment. In other words, it's very painful to be disappointed and have these large emotions. But the other thing that happens is that when you can tolerate the large emotions, because grief is often quite appropriate and grief can be processed. It's sad that it didn't work out. That doesn't mean you're doomed, but it does mean you have to deal with the fact that something you really wanted 
at a time you wanted didn't work out when you wanted it to. Right. And so we also learn the gift of that, that that part then cares about you. You're on the same team. Like, I don't want you disappointed. But then you can cultivate another part that's like, fine, I don't like it, but I'll be, I'll be the disappointed one and I'll just feel it. Yeah. Because it is disappointing. It is. And life is hard. I mean, you know, I started the show talking about all of the stuff with 2020, whether it was the virus or social injustice, or we've had fires everywhere and hurricanes that, I mean, you name it, we've had it. There's a lot to manage and it's hard to manage it, but it's so important to feel those emotions around it so you can move forward. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So well, do you have any tips for listeners who are thinking, okay, it's 2021. I'm ready to put some of this behind me. I'm ready to hear all of the pieces. I've got my new year's resolutions. How do I know? Yeah. How, how do I, where do I start? How do I know when it's resistance? How do I know when it's a real excuse? How, how do I know? Like I hear you, Bridget, but how do I know? Right. So how do I make this happen? So a few things, what I would do is generally start a couple of days, a day in the week that you work and a day in a week when you're off, however you define that. And so you want to do an inner selfie report. And what that means is just get in touch with the fact that all day long we go in and out of different selves and just write down bulleted. My responsible self got up, my, um, my sweet tooth one, and I had coffee cake with my yogurt. Uh, and just label them. Don't, not, don't, no long stories and not whether or not you like them. Um, Ooh, yes. I felt my anger self when I opened that bill and realized they had billed me wrong and I was gonna have to deal with it. Um, and so the other thing is, even if it's not expressed like that anger self, say you wanted to curse or something and you didn't, not that there's anything wrong with cursing, I haven't loved to curse self. Right. But, um, <laughs> so you don't have to express it to know it's inside. You just feel it. So that's one. And then you start to realize, wow, all day long. Now in terms of a bill that comes where it's wrong, I have to wait, I have a really good bureaucrat uh, maneuverer but I got to be in the mood to be that. And so then I might literally, now that I know about the voice dialogue and the final aid technique, put that bill aside. And then when my bureaucratic maneuverer was ready to like make this a game as opposed to a horror film. Yeah. That's A. And then write down every one of your goals that you have for your new year's resolution. Each one gets their own page or page on the computer, however you do it. And simply like, I want to, say, get in better shape. And then you, I, you might say, and that means losing 10 pounds or whatever it is. Then you have that final eighth goal we would talk about yes. the, or the new year's resolution. Write down the parts of yourself you imagine are for that goal and the parts of yourself that are against it. Now you, the ones that are against it could be, I don't feel like getting up to go to the gym. And just, again, label them. Don't think about strategy and certainly don't think about how you're going to double down and get them to get out of you because selves are never going to leave you. They are the most loyal <laughs> parts of you. So don't, no, no inner critics going. I would do that with each goal. Now, if you're doing this with more than three pieces of paper, you've got too many goals. That's so already, so yes. So that what self is going to have you spread so thin so you're never really going to have heft. So I would say two, no more than three. 
because otherwise you're already starting off not going to do it. Okay. And then, and then think of, and then you write down the gifts and the stings of each self. And let's say that part says, I don't want to go to the gym. Well, that may be your, your, your gateway to a golden passion. What if you, so what if you're like, all right, but where would that self want to go? I imagine I'd want to go to one of your uh, burlesque classes. Yeah. In other words, maybe that part's right. Who wants to go to the dumb gym? Now, in this day and age, maybe that part that never wanted to go to the gym now has the very legitimate worry about potential COVID. So that's not a problem. It's the gateway to the creative, better, funner way to be. That's so perfect because that, I mean, that just resonates and that makes so much sense because flaunt is an acronym and the F is find your fetish. And there's such a block sometimes around what we should do versus what we want to do. And we're not going to be successful if we hate lifting weight. Like the analogy I always think for me is swimming. I don't like swimming. (laughs) I can splash in the ocean all day, but I'm not going to swim laps. And I don't have to. <laughs> I love your not swimmer or not pool swimming. Ew. Ew. No, no. Maureen, ew. No, put me in the ocean and splash. But if I had that mindset that the only way to get my no impact cardio was swimming, I'd be like, oh, heck no, not going to do that. But there are other ways to do it. And to find that gateway, I love that word, gateway to the creative. What else can I do? And of course, if you want to get in shape, there's only 10,000 ways to do that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And how powerful to write down and to label, but not to put in your strategy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So then again, going back to, so that helps with the visualization, which is vital and first. And then the strategy often selves that are like, oh, that's a lot of work. I don't want to do it. It has room to come in. It doesn't matter. Strategy at that point. No. Because those cells will tell you why it's hard. And they, again, could be very accurate. Because if you really wanted something, wouldn't you work hard for it? I mean, I do. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you went to law school, right? Yes. Yes. Well, hello. I know you've worked hard. It's hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's absolutely hard. And you know what is so interesting? Speaking of all the different selves, for that example, um, I went to law school and I passed the bar in Colorado and California. And it was interesting because the night before both bar exams, and those are some big tests, I did some really weird stuff. The night before one bar exam, I took out all of my pots and pans and I scrubbed the bottom of them. You know how you get like those burn marks around them? And I spent like two hours scrubbing them where I could have been studying or sleeping or, you know what I mean? Anything constructive, but no. And the whole time I'm doing it, I'm thinking, why are you doing, this is so stupid. And I have them all spread out and all my pots and pans are clean the day before the bar exam. Do you have a sense now, since you have some distance, like what was that part helping you with? Because from its point of view, it was helping. Now it could be wrong, but it is the, but the motivation is pure. It was, it really was pure. My sense around that, I've, I've had a couple of different things what I thought it was a control issue. I have really little to no control over if I pass the bar exam. Um, You know, it's essay, it's 
difficult. It's, it's a lot. Uh, that was the California bar. That's a three day, nine hours for, I mean, it's, it's an endurance act. And I think it was because I felt no control and so much anxiety around that, that cleaning the pans seemed, and it sounds so silly, but it was difficult because you really had to put that focus and that concentration, but then I could see the result and I could get that satisfaction and I had control. I think seeing that isn't, and then you felt better and you actually felt stronger going in. Mm -hmm. And I don't, for those that um, aren't watching this, they're just listening. You did a whole thing about scrubbing. You moved your hand really tight and hard. And so I would also think that part helped you literally physicalize that anxiety. So it had a channel and then they're like, all right, well, I may or may not pass that bar, but my pots are clean. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I had my little, you know, scouring things and I was just, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. That was a part of me, um, making me feel better. You know, even if you can't do this, Laura, and I could, but you could do this and at least you're successful. So it was that success part. Right. And for not for everyone, but I might even say that right before the bar, if the part of you that thinks you should look through things one last time, it's usually not right. They nope. really, it's like an athletic, um, Olympic athletes do not do much the day before their big event. Nope. So that's the other thing when you, I've got exercises in the book, you can dig deeper. And that part may have actually helped you have more concentration the next day because you weren't bogged down with that last minute cramming, which is actually unhelpful often. You know, I hadn't thought about that, but that makes sense. It distracted me and kept me away from that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so you end up appreciating and over time, like, wow, I knew you did this good thing, but I didn't know you did this thing way full of depth. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm hearing you say it's really important to make friends with those parts because those parts are keeping us safe and they are benefiting us. It's just how, the, how, how we cultivate a relationship with them. So we've got the understanding and then so we can solve the problems and then finish that last eighth of whatever it is that we're doing. Absolutely. And the inner critic is the easiest one. You know, you're not going to get rid of the inner critic. So let's just realize that. And your inner critics has the noble purpose of protection as well. And so when you realize that you start to embrace all of yourselves. Now, all of yourselves are not your warm and fuzzy best friendies. Some (laughs) of them are harsh. They're five-star generals. They're cold and impersonal and like the inner critic. So don't ask the inner critic to be your fuzzball friend, but when, and take the warm bath goddess. They're, the inner critic is not your warm bath goddess. So you, first of all, have to make sure they're working for you. And I have an exercise. So if your inner critic is still working for like the patriarch or some early caregiver, then you need to say inner critic, you, uh, you work for me and you don't need to be uh, all warm and fuzzy because what the inner critic does is it's got your back. It's looking for danger everywhere and it wants to protect you by telling you how bad you're doing so that you hurry up and do well so you don't get rejected. The strategy can be very toxic and that has to go. But an inner critic who is your like, Ah, you're, and I use the military a lot because it really is, it's the five-star general. And, it, and it's going to say, hey, you're slipping. You say you want to lose those five pounds and you're not. 
and you say thank you in a critic for that information. No toxicity, no abuse allowed. That is out, out of my house. But you're kind of accurate. I know it too. And so the inner critic then can, it, you, because of your relationship with the inner critic, you now have compassion for yourself as a whole. And you can honor that the inner critic is correct. And it doesn't mean you have to obey per se. You could say, you got this, but we're having family dinner tonight and I am not starting my clean eating until tomorrow. So leave me alone. Know that I'm aware of it. Mm -hmm. And yes, but it's not going to happen tonight. So I don't want people to think that they are then have to be victim to the dictates of any self. That's the other thing. You get a much larger palette of colors to choose from. Yes. Yes. Because of, because you've got the awareness there. So I love how our work dovetails so well. I do too. <laughs> yeah. This, the golden center of flaunt is AU, accept unconditionally. And I'm hearing accept unconditionally the voices, what they're saying. Yes, you're right. I am overeating. You're right. I haven't lost these five pounds. You're right. I've sat on this book proposal for nine months and haven't done anything with it. It's that acknowledgement that actually gives you the strength. Yes. You know, when we're denying yes. and suppressing, then things are going to come up in really unhealthy ways. Yes. But it's that acceptance, that listening. Ooh, thank you for that. You're right tomorrow or whatever it is. That's right? powerful. It really is. It's just, um, it gives you agency. Yeah. It's everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's almost like there's no surprises when you're aware. It's like when you know, it's your board of directors. Yes. <laughs> and when you're aware of every person's role and function, you can be like, well, of course, financial is going to be more conservative. Oh, well, of course, the creative team is going to lean into that. Oh, well, of course, then you know what to expect. And then it feels to me like it's not as threatening. What do you mean I can't spend that? Well, of course it's financial. Of course they're going to be conservative. Exactly. Exactly. And you're, you, and I've read business books where you want the pessimist on your team and you want, because they're the risk manager. But if it's all pessimism all the time, that can lead to anxiety and depression and worse. It can't be. However, your pessimist is like a, gives you the bellwether warning. Like, all right, but let's see if things don't work out by my optimist's uh, idea of how things are going to go. I'm a better strategizer. You know, I, I lower my risk where it's unnecessary. So again, those aren't feel-good selves. They're not the ones that produce euphoria, but they are the ones that actually make you more and more viable and have more heft over time, is my guess. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And it's so important, so, so, so important that not all selves are feel-good selves. I think sometimes we get locked into the mindset that it's a Disney movie and that we should feel good all the time and it should all be wonderful and that I'm going to start a business and then it was successful by Wednesday. And <laughs> Do you know, you're, I'm going to reveal a secret that just occurred to me that I never shared until even as a kid. I never liked Disney films. I liked the classics like Cinderella because her dress was unbearably beautiful. Yes. Those feel good ones. I just, somewhere inside, I, I didn't understand it. It almost scared me because it, it, I look now and think because something important was missing. And so even then as a kid, it's not like I didn't enjoy the plot, but I just never I was attracted. If there was anything else to watch or even, I'd be like, no, thanks. I'll read. At nine, I'm like, no thanks to that Disney movie. I'm going to, I'd rather read my book. And I, and I think you just said it because it's like, 
it's scary when other people don't see the whole picture. Also, it's really terrifying. And you're not being negative. I have a section of my book, don't negate the negative. It's scary if someone doesn't see the negative, not because you're a pessimist, because they're not seeing the whole picture. And so their judgment by default can't be as good as it could. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that is so well said. We're going to take a couple of minutes break and we're going to come back and we're going to spiral into that negative. <laughs> and all my inner choreographer going. <laughs> and we're going to have fun with that. And I'm also going to make sure listeners, you definitely want to come back because we're going to really do a couple of hands-on things that's going to get you launched into your 2021. So we will be right back. You're a smart woman who has achieved a lot, but are you happy? Do you sparkle with joy and enthusiasm, or are you living life on autoplay? You're not alone. Many successful women reach a point where they realize that they're not enjoying themselves, their jobs, or their families in the way that they thought they would. No matter what's blocking your sparkle, you can live full out and enjoy life again right now. Not after you lose 15 pounds, find love, or the kids leave home. Go to www.nakedselfworth.com and download the top 20 things that block your sparkle and what to do about them so you can stop seeking to please, proving your worth, and settling for less and start living life on your own terms with enthusiasm, joy, and plenty of sparkle. And we are back with Bridget Dangle Gaspard and her book, The Final Eighth. And we are talking about how to finish, how to finish. How to cross the finish line when you get seven eighths of the way there and you just don't make that last step and how to contact or not really contact, but how to be in touch with all of the pieces of you and how some of those pieces of you that are preventing success really are there to protect you and might have a legitimate concern and how you can talk to them and figure out, hey, thank you for protecting me. What is your concern and how can we move through this so you can actually finish and find that success that you're looking for because success is important. It feels good and it's fun and we all have this huge mission in life. You know, the last, the T of trust in your truth is trusting in your truth, your mission doing what you feel compelled to do and not stopping one with one eighth left. So let's start talking about the negative. My book, my N is navigate the negative because I'm a big proponent of acknowledging that there is negative. There's supposed to be negative. Things don't work out. You know, the saying, no conflict, no story life would be pretty boring actually <laughs> if there was nothing to overcome we were talking about disney movies before and i love that you said that you didn't necessarily love that because that's why the story stopped at happily ever after yeah happily ever after is boring we <laughs> <don't mind> that. <laughs> i never thought of that i love that 
Um, yeah. Oh, that's so, I, I don't have time for happily ever after. No. <laughs> and in your work, you talk about the negative. So let's go right into that negative and just take that bull by the horns and move through it. So negative is uh, on many levels, right? So obviously. And so negative literally means uncomfortable. And if you start to have a direct relationship with your discomfort and not have to judge it as negative, AKA bad. So when I talk about negative, I talk about uncomfortable, disturbing, distressing, but it's not bad as in morally bad or wrong per se. So a few things. So some of our parts are alter egos, inner selves, subpersonalities, they go by all these names. We've learned that they're bad. So for example, lazy self, how do you feel about your lazy self, Laura? Oh, that's, you know, <laughs> I have a complex relationship with my lazy self. There is a huge part of me that judges that. You are worthless, Laura. Oh my gosh, you wasted a whole day. You wasted a whole day. You can't get those hours back. Arr! Then there is the more conscious aware part that says you deserve to recharge. Sharpen the saw in Stephen Covey terms, self-care. But I do have to fight sometimes to get myself there. You are worthy because of who you are. You are not worthy because of what you do. So, yeah. And the other thing which you just highlighted is some of our judgments of a self like lazy, I believe lazy is one of the seven cardinal sins, sloth. So the other thing is you said you jumped to worthless. Yes. That's huge. That's so painful. And so these selves are painful because they have been judged by people ahead of us. We have learned to say, okay, our lazy self is so bad that it is, it, it's a reflection of our worthlessness. Yes. So when we're dealing with the negative, we're like, whoa, let's, set, let's unlink this lazy self from having to carry the burden of Western morality and the centuries of patriarch that support it. And so that's A, also all of ourselves are culturally bound. So in a different culture, lazy may actually have a different wor word. You might say enjoying self. There may literally be a different word in another language. And also that it's a good thing. And so, so these are ways internally you're gonna be able to have that direct relationship with these selves. Also, like you said, recharging, that's a huge gift from a lazy self because if you don't, one of its deeper, I think, gifts is you will get sick in some way. Yes. And then your only choice is take my lazy time as I choose or let an injury or illness take it from me. And I think that's the other part. I, I learned that one a long time ago. So that's the other part of the negative. You're like, wait a minute, is that my opinion of the lazy self or have I just never thought about it? And that's what my mother thought about lazy people. And so that's so liberating and, the, and jumping into the negative actually paradoxically frees you from the negativity. Yes. Yes. So going back to that example earlier where we were saying it's new year's, your mm. resolution is to get in shape. So you were saying, um, write down the goals um, write down what each self would have to say about that. Um, you know, label, don't do the strategy yet. 
So where does this negative piece come in? Is that from one of the negative selves or should that kind of be like an overarching thing over all of the goals and be like, okay, well, this self has a positive and a negative. This self has a positive, because it seems like most of the selves have the protection piece as well as they both, they both have a positive and they both have a negative, I guess is what I'm saying. So how, how, yes. do, you, how do you overlay that with that strategy? I love that. Yes. I think of each self as on a spectrum. And so in my book, I call it, they have a gift and a sting. So yes. too much of any self, including the brilliant visionary um, self that doesn't have anything to do with how to like put the feet on the ground. So you want access to all of them. And then you do, you realize that, that there are so, so, and my book also talks about how you can take a homeopathic dose of different selves. So you take right size amounts or just a little bit. So the other thing is say anger. Anger is full of gifts and it's full of stings. And so if, especially if you have had a history of being around anger that wasn't well managed, you okay. have legitimate fear about that. So your fear is that anger is literally going to burn down the house. But more than likely, again, paradoxically, as you get your own direct relationship to your anger, it, it's not going to burn down the house. It's that loud because it's trying to get you to hear you, it. And anger is great for get, making boundaries, for moving forward, for making you aware of what you really think, for like breaking through selves like the nice girl selves and the polite ones. And so there's so many gifts. However, if you let anger do, say, talk to a friend who you need to adjust certain things with, that's not the part of you, if you really want to keep the relationship, you're like, thank you, anger, you're right. She just went beyond the limit. This is the last time, but I'm not going to call her to the weekend at when I know I'm more relaxed and I'm going to set it, I'm going to invite her to coffee, whatever the plan is. Because the other thing is you get to have an, an ideal overall agenda as we all do. So if this is a friend you don't care about, well then let anger have at it because that's going to destroy the relationship. But if it's yeah. a friend you actually have a lot of compassion for, but this boundary can never be crossed again if you're going to have a good relationship, you want to also be in touch with the parts of yourself that are diplomats and that understand the pain maybe of your friend because your friend's in pain does not mean you accept unacceptable behavior. I never, 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 never say it's okay to accept unacceptable behavior. It isn't. Right. Right. Okay. I like that. And then that makes sense. So you get your goals, you label, you strategize, you get the sting and the gift from each part. You kind of have that understood cognitively up here, but now it's January, whatever, <laughs> you know, two weeks into your goal, three weeks into your goal. It's a blizzard you've found your fetish and you've gone to the gym and you love it and you're, you know, are doing what you love, but it's a cold day and you don't want to get out of bed. How do you use that? How do you translate it from the head into your action to find out, mm, today is a day I should rest. I should recharge or no, today is a day I really do need to keep the commitment to myself and get to the gym because this is the class that I found that I love. And this is a part of me that's sabotaging. How does that happen in action? You know, I'm seeing myself on a cold winter morning, my alarm going off. How do I manage all of that? Because it's a lot and I understand it, but it's a lot. So how, how do you just do it as the alarm's going off during a blizzard? 
<laughs> I love that. Um, my blizzard stuff immediately was like, it's a blizzard. Hopefully I can't start the car. And then yeah. <laughs> so let's say literally the alarm's going off and you're in bed. And so again, you can feel all the different parts of you in response to that. Yeah. And this is a little aside, but the parts you went to sleep with will affect the parts you wake up. In other words, if you drank too much the night before, or if you overstayed on a phone call because a friend was in need, but now you really are exhausted. So, so, so you start to pay attention to what selves helped you be motivated to get up in the morning to do it. So it really is a 24 hour clock we can think about. But in that moment, I would say it's do it as a meditation. So you're in bed and your head says, okay, you should do this. Well, my, okay, so you're listening to your head. Then you move into other physiology. Like my guess is my stomach is going, is anxious. Like my stomach is telling my head I should get up. So then I just think, okay, stomach. I might put the word anxious or let's just say stomach, the butterflies or some type of sensation. You breathe into it. You're like, all right. And then if you get a sense, like what are the butterflies really nervous about? whatever that is. And then you get to the exercise self and, and see. And so while you're there in your full body as your full self with a capital S, all of these selves that are within you are like small S. It's not, you're not fractured. And then you might be even, I might call in my wise self. What should I do? And just again, slowing down and see what my wise self says. And then I could also call, call in my diplomat. Okay, if we don't go to the favorite class, what if we do agree to go to X class or whatever it is? Or if it's a blizzard, I won't go to the gym, but actually I'm going to use snow cleanup as my exercise. And that might even be kind of fun because I'll be in the cold, but I won't be too cold because I'll be, you know, that kind of thing. You get out of your black and white thinking in so many wonderful ways. It's actually a joy because maybe that last one didn't occur to you until like seven minutes in of just touching base with the different parts of you. And you're like, oh, I could do that. And then my homemaker is really happy because I need to do it anyway. And it's almost like going back to uh, management skills. It's put doing more than one thing or doing a thing which has more than one use. Yes. That's so enlightening. And listeners, please hear that. <laughs> please hear that. Because that final eighth, what is your goal? What is your goal? The goal is maybe weight loss, health and fitness. And I love how you came around to cleaning, the, you know, cleaning the shoveling the snow that can achieve that goal and it can satisfy other selves and that wise self that wise self might say you know what you have had a really busy week you're on the verge of a cold right. <laughs> you're on the verge of exhaustion if your goal is to lose weight and get healthy the best thing to do might be to sleep because then you heal your body, you get well, and now you can go to the gym. Because how many of us, please just raise your hand, <laughs> because I, I, I can hear you. You don't have to ask. I'm just going to raise my hand. I know I've done it. What, what oh, are you going to do? Totally. Where we've pushed through and sabotaged ourselves with good intentions. Yeah. You know, whether it's pushing through to turn in a document on time and then not doing quality work, whether it's 
forcing yourself to go to the gym every single day and then ending up with shin splints or a torn hamstring. Wow, good intentions go wrong. And maybe if we're listening to our wise self, those good intentions will not go wrong. You know, as we're talking, my wise self in this blizzard scenario said also, just came in. That's the other thing that it's like time release wisdom said, yeah. And again, right size yourself. Who do you think you are as a single human against a blizzard? It's like also to put into perspective, some of ourselves thinks we can like outmaneuver nature as opposed to having respect. So that just came in. And then, then what happens is you feel connected to nature. And maybe you've never left your house because you realize, right, I'm part of this wonderful whole and blizzards come and blizzards go. And and how lovely is that? Yes. You're not aiming for gratitude, but suddenly instead of beating yourself up because you can't make the 9 a.m. belly dance aerobics class Jeez. with a little Zumba aside, which does sound um, you're like, wow, I have a roof. You know, I've got a part that sometimes does that. And then it's like, I can't do much right now because I don't have a lot of time, but I might end up donating yeah. to someone who helps like, so, so it's just, it's just happening now as we're talking about the situation. And that's the other gift that the, the depth of these selves and thus the outer ideas that you're allowing to come in, which are so much better than your very focused singular ideas of shoulds. Yes. And it might get you to your goal faster too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because all of a sudden you might've missed your class, but you've shoveled snow for an hour. You're in gratitude. You're energized. You slept in and you feel better. And then you end up jumping on somebody's YouTube and doing your belly dance class that way. (laughs) Yes. And then, then the synchronicity happens and the phone call that you wouldn't have been home for comes in from an investor and they've just said yes. Yeah. Oh, that is brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And again, that all stems from negativity. That stems yes. from, I can't get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're going to loop through because there's so much, speaking of synchronicities, there's so much um, synchronicity between flaunt and the different selves. And I want to go through those and I want to keep having you kick in some of those ideas with the different self. Okay. F is find your fetish. It seems like different selves might like different things and that maybe sometimes we shut, we shut down some joy because we're judging a self. Like you were talking about the lazy self. Maybe the lazy self likes to sleep in until noon and then work until midnight. Right. Right. Yes. And that would be a great exercise. Like what are the fetishes of my perfectionist, my uh, painter, my sexy mama, my diva, and my book, I have a whole way that you need to get into your inner diva because if divas don't wait for permission. So if part of the reason you're stuck is you're waiting for permission, you need to cultivate your inner diva who has, doesn't even know how to spell permission because it's just not a vocabulary for them. Yeah. And so energetically though, it's like, excuse me, I'm fabulous. And that's it. There's no more to that. And so the inner, your inner diva's fetish might be very different. I think that would be such a fun exercise. Wouldn't that? Yeah, I think that's great. And then the next step of flaunt is L, which is laugh out loud. What about, 
does the five-star general, does he have any humor? And I just say he for that part, but it could be. Oh, we have many parts that are both he or she, depending on whatever our gender is. Exactly. Um, is there, right. yeah, humor I'm, in these. I'm, I'm sort of accessing my, um, the general. Um, oh, well, I think it might be kind of mean humor, like uh -huh. um, the told you so humor. Told you. You know, uh -huh. and so it may not be again polite humor, and um, so yeah, a righteous kind of humor I could see. Again, we're not judging the humor, but people laugh over things that are not politically correct. Yeah, yeah, no, we absolutely do. And sometimes that, hmm, sometimes that mean humor means that's a word. Yeah, does help get you going because you can see the truth in it. I have a catty self that I will not uh, give her too much time on your wonderful show. My catty self, whoa, she is bad. Yeah. She just like calls it. And I, I'm a former performer and I used to do comedy. So that was a perfect place yeah. where it was allowed. And there's certain people that I allow it. But actually, I, I didn't know how catty I was. That's, and my husband is like, that's catty. I'm like, what? That's catty? Like, oh, then once he defined it for me <laughs> and pointed out every time I was catty, I realized, oh, I've got a big catty self. Now I have a more direct relationship because she would be what I call an emotional terrorist. You know, she would just come yeah. out and zap. And, that, I, and I would be sometimes often quite embarrassed. Like, why did I just say that? It was unnecessary. My catty self, if it's necessary, she doesn't want to say it. She only does unnecessary uh, observational insulting. So uh -huh. that's good for writing. It's good. In other words, I want her creativity, but not for public consumption often. No, no, not, not for relationship development. <laughs> but that goes perfect into the golden center of flaunt, the AU, except unconditionally. Instead of being like, ah, get out of there, you're crazy. I don't mean, yeah. Yeah, you're using her. You've accepted, hey, there is this part of me that can do that. And, you know, I can say that for myself, too. There's a witchy part of me. Oh, I love that. Yes. You know, there, there just is. And I am a big believer. I talk a lot about tab taboo. And I'm oh, a big yes. believer. Oh, yes. In the more that we suppress it, the more it comes out in unhealthy ways. And it seems that way with ourselves. The more we deny, oh, no, there is not a part of me that thinks that. Oh, there is not a, I am perfect. I would never do that then those pieces explode. They do. And I talk about that in the book and you, some of our natural vocabulary is, I don't know what came over me or I had a few drinks and dot, dot, dot. And so what came over you is that a self had had enough and just exploded. And it's really devastating. And some of the consequences are devastating. Yes. So this is a very powerful technique so that you actually don't have the consequences happen that you fear are going to happen. Mm -hmm. Yes, because how many times, and I wrote about this in my book actually too, the politicians or the big church leaders who all of a sudden child pornography, you know, horrible stuff. And, and it's such a dichotomy between which persona are you? Well, I think they're all, it's just that so much has been denied. And actively repressed. I agree. I, I, that's exactly what happens. Then yeah. the, again, the very, very terrible behavior where there's lots of pain and victimization happens. And that is awful. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's, that's really scary. So if you just moving into Ed can navigate some of those scary, mean, angry, greedy, lazy, whatever horrible words feel that way to you, if you navigate those, you can provide balance. So my question on that is, and, and not that I'm going to tank the show and move it into total evilness, because <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> but I can hear some listeners thinking, I'm really afraid of letting some of those pieces of me out. How, how catty could I be? How violent could I be? How, how angry could I be? I'm afraid of myself. What do you say to people who are kind of afraid because they don't know what they could move into? That's a great question. So first, in, I would have that frayed part speak because that part's protecting you and that part's so, and let it share with you what it's afraid of. Then the other part, just like say the anger or the rage, a wonderful exercise is to take a massive book you don't care about, whether it's a, in the old days, it was the yellow pages for phone book or lately now I feel the catalogs that you can get free are the real estate listings and tear it apart in the privacy of your own home. So it's not gonna be verbal, but energetically destroy it so that that energy is validated. And more than likely, you're going to be in such a calmer place. And so some of that, it's the energetic expression. You don't, and then if you still have to say something, say it in a, on, on a, in a notebook and then burn that notebook. Remember, this is for your expression. Some of that stuff is not ever to be shared. But if it has to come out also or, or on video, because now we can do that, you know, and just do that venom that has to come out. Remember that fairy tale with the little girl could only do snakes and bugs? Yeah. Let your snakes and bugs out and delete. It's not for your listening later. It's, it's, uh, it's purging. Yeah. So if there's stuff in there that needs purging, purge. Your anger will be clearer and cleaner. And, and I say the final eighth process is a detox for life on many levels. Ah, I love that. Uh, yeah, that totally makes sense. Or like we were talking about earlier, flip your pans over and scrub all the stuff out exactly. of them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. And then the last T of flaunt is trust in your truth. You talk about all the different selves. What is the true self? Is your true self the compilation of all of those selves? Is your true self the wise self? Who is the true selves? Because I'd like listeners to go away being like, yeah, we've got this board, you know, we've got this committee, we've got, but I am. Who, who is the truth of all of yourselves? It, you're, it is the amalgam of all of ourselves. And all of ourselves are connected to our vulnerability. And that's where I believe our essence lives. So our vulnerability and our essence of potentiality live together. So we're born with particular propensities, then our life has given us certain opportunities or hindrances. And so our true self is being able to access all of ourselves and then it's almost like they become channels of our essence. So the question is, what resonates today without worrying, are you going to be pleased with me? No. What, how am I going to be pleased with me? Where, what's my essence? Oh, I love that. And then what is your essence? What is your truth? And I understand it changes every day, but who <laughs> are, <laughs> who are you? I'd love you to leave listeners with 
who you are? I would say my essence includes an enjoyment of observations and opposites, the absurdity of life and the connecting on a deep level. I've always connected on a deep level. And so that's where I would say my essence is. Mm, I love that. And where can listeners get a hold of your book and learn more about the process? Because now is the perfect time to do this. Whatever 2021 brings, whether it is health or whether it's way more destruction, you are in charge of you and all of yourselves. And now is the time to do this. So let them know where they can learn more. So the final eighth will be very helpful because the more we are our full selves, the more we can affect the change we want to be. And so I'm all over social media, Bridget Dangle Gaspard, finaleighth.com. The book, Final Eighth, Enlist Your Inner Selves to Accomplish Your Goals is available everywhere. And we're starting a Final Eighth Masterclass workshop in January. So please, if you want an accompanier, that's how I look at it. You'll have the book and then you'll have the accompaniment to help your process move sooner. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for your time, for your wisdom, and for your amazing book. I thoroughly enjoyed today. Me too. And thanks for all your flaunting. I'm so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Listeners, reach out um, to either one of us. We can connect you with each other. We can give you more insight and more wisdom. I hope this helped. I'm really excited for your 2021. Get those goals, talk to your different parts, see what they have to say, see how they're protecting you. And oh my gosh, let's make 2021 all about that final eighth. Let's make 2021 all about doing it. So this time next year, we'll all be like, woo, I've accomplished so much. This has been great. Have an amazing, amazing week. And as usual, always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is more than enough. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Build your dreams, live your sparkle with radio host Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network. Overcome the need to please and find the uninhibited joy of being exactly who you are right now. Come find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Find out more and get your free gift at lauracheadle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com.